Saints. Good morning, sinners. Man, with a nice comfy chair like this, Susan, I could preach for hours. I, I expected Clark to jump up and come running for this chair as soon as I said that. How'd you do, guys? Uh, love is in the air. It's Valentine's season. And I was just wondering, guys, how'd you do? You know, how'd you do with Valentine's Day? That's a good indication that you're all right. So I called a few guys and, or texted them and just said, How, how'd you do? And they said, well, I had dinner and the movies without the kids. That was a big deal. And then I talked to another guy who said, well, we took a card, a shirt, and cookies to our great-granddaughters. Isn't that weird? One's running away from the kids and one's running to the kids. We had dinner, a movie, and a card with words of affirmation. Yeah, putting, putting deposits in the love bank right there he was. I had a dinner, gave her a bracelet. Dinner with friends and took some cards to some shut-ins. Oh, one, two, three. Oh, that's nice. Very nice. Got takeout, went to a movie, and then went to a devotional. He's not married yet. <laughs> and then there was this one. Flowers. Dinner. Chocolate-dipped strawberries. A bag of Dove dark chocolate. Yeah, and all I could think was, he must have been in trouble. And then, of course, there's Jacob Hudson, hung another IV bag of electrolytes for my wife so she wouldn't dehydrate. <laughs> As you know, Tara's been very sick with the flu lately. So this morning, I wanted to ask a question. How do you know if you're in love with God? How do you know that you're in love with God? Jacob, we just had one of the funniest things says, and it was all about you. And just so I won't get accused of saying something incorrect, I said that, and now you know about it. All right, I feel better about myself. So how do you know you're in love with God? Well, first, you long to be together. I mean, when you meet that really someone special, have you ever heard the phrase, I had butterflies in my stomach, or I just got all giddy? Or, I mean, I've seen, guys, I've seen guys who were just like, you know, captain of the football team, all suave, and they got around girls, and they just become like jelly. Have you seen that? I, 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 knew, a guy, I knew a guy in school, and he was the toughest guy you'd ever seen. And when he'd get around a girl that he had a crush on, man, he'd just, he'd just lose it. He'd just, he'd just come this, just this little pup, wet puppy dog, just... Blah. But David says, my soul long, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. He's so excited to be in the presence of God that he says, I, I long for it. I, I just kind of faint. I was watching some videos, trying to find some great faint videos, and I saw some pretty good ones, but none that were, I, I couldn't get them all together. But one was of Elvis Presley singing. 
and girls in the crowd working themselves up to a frantic and then just poof. There was this one girl, her, her boyfriend drug him in into this great big barn where he had all his friends and all her friends and he proposed to her to marry her and she got so excited she went thunk that's what David says in the presence of God I long I long to be with God so much that I I just I get faint over it well how do we get into the courts of God and I believe we get to the courts of God, through prayer and Scripture. So are we longing to be with God in prayer and Scripture? Paul tells us in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With a thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He's saying, Communicate with me in prayer. Just like when I get really wound up and, and something's really bothering me, I go to Anna. I go to somebody I love. I go to Anna and I tell her what I'm worried about and what I'm anxious about. And I communicate that to her. And sometimes I come to Anna and I say, hey, I need this. And sometimes I come to Anna and I just say, thank you. Thank you so much mainly for not strangling me in the middle of the night while I'm asleep because I know I'm hard to deal with. But, but in a love relationship, isn't that what you do? Don't you all the time, you, you people who've been married 20-plus years, isn't that the relationship when you love somebody? Isn't that how you deal with it? And, and Paul's saying we ought to be the same way with Christ in our prayers. We ought to long to be in the presence of our Lord. And the next, we ought to be like Job, who says, I treasure the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. We had a rule at our house. You can hug and love on daddy anytime you want, except when, children? Except when he's eating. <laughs> and Job says, man, I... I'd rather be in the presence of God and enjoy God's presence than have a meal. Do you long to be in the presence of God more than you, than you look down to, to sitting across from a, a steak and egg breakfast? How do you know if you love God? Well, if you love God, then you'll love your church. I want you to soak that up for just a minute. John says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. If you're in love with God, then you love that person sitting to your left and your right. Some of you, that's really easy. Some of you might be sitting next to somebody like me more of a challenge folks if you're in love with God you're going to be loving the person sitting across from you in front of you and behind you Christ says my command is this love each other as I have loved you 
Well, that's a pretty tall order, I think. So how did Christ love us? Well, he loved us in actions. He washed feet. He healed people. He taught them. He hung out with them. I know some of you are like, huh? But he did. He spent time just enjoying people. What do you think he was doing at the, way, at the wedding in Canaan when he, when he transformed the water into wine? He prayed with them. He treated them with equality. He treated them with equality. Amazing. The only thing that I know that the leadership of the Jews, David, admitted to, I love it, two Davids in a row that have no idea which one I'm talking to. The only thing that they will admit to is, they say, we see that you're no respecter of persons. Now the next thing was a dirty underhanded trick they wanted to play on him. It didn't work out well. But the thing they notice, the thing that they can see about him that is undeniable is we see that you, sh you have equality for all people. You show no partiality for people. You treat everyone well with dignity and respect. He cooked for them. He fed them. He made sacrifices for them. He loved them with their actions. He also loved them with relationships. Think about Mary Magdalene. When Christ met Mary Magdalene, she was a mess. She had seven demons in her. Have you ever met a person with seven demons? Not me. I'll bet they're a mess. I'll bet they're crazy looking. I'll bet their hair is wild. I'll bet their clothes are messed up. I'll bet they're a mess. And Jesus meets her and cleans those demons out of her and becomes one of her closest friends. Matter of fact, he chooses Mary Magdalene to be the first evangelist to go tell the rest of the world the Savior has been raised, the Savior is resurrected. How about uh, the woman at the well and that relationship? Jesus says, uh, go, get your, go get your husband. She says, yeah, well, no, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you speak rightly. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now isn't your husband. But I still want to have a relationship with you, I still want you to know about these living waters bubbling up. I want you to know about the Father. I want you to realize who I am. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to keep talking with you, folks. If we're going to love people like Christ loved people, then we're going to have to deal with some people that have got some Shady past, messed up lives in the past. Amen? How about the woman at the, excuse me, how about the woman caught in adultery? In the middle of a, of a morning Bible study, 
This woman is dragged in who was literally caught in adultery. Everyone wants to stone her except for Christ, and Christ refuses to condemn her. And of everybody that's standing there, he really is the only one who's been sinned against. And he refuses to condemn her. And then, then he sets her on, commissions her for a life to live without sin. Folks, if we're going to love like Christ, then we're going to have to take some people in some pretty awful situations caught in some really ugly situations and we're going to have to just not condemn them and then commission them to live sinless lives and go on then there's this beautiful thing that Christ does of mending relationships if you want to love if you love and you want to love like Christ loved If you're going to love each other like Christ loved us, then you're going to be about mending relationships. Think about Peter. He's denied Christ two times. He's standing in front of the coals of fire, warming his hands, trying to get warm. And then he denies Christ again, except this time, Levi, Christ is looking right at him. But then just a few weeks later and Jesus is warming fish over some coals and he pulls Peter aside and says do you love me and he mends a relationship between them if you're going to love people like Christ loved then you're going to have to be about mending some relationships Think about his last words on the cross. They're all about relationships. Well, three of the seven are about relationships. He looks down at his mother, and he says, Mama, there's John. John, there's Mama. What he was trying to say was, Mary, treat John like he was your son. And John, take care of my mama. He's worried about you. He's caring for those relationships. He looks down at those who are crucifying him on a cross, and he says, just forgive them. God, they they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. Just forgive them. If we're going to love like Christ loved, we're going to have to forgive, folks. If we're going to love like Christ loved, We're going to have to trust the Father. Remember, one of his last words was, into my hands I commit thee, trusting that the Father would resurrect him. Truth is, he loves us unconditionally. It is this God-conditioned love that cares for you without worrying about what's in it for me. You see, human love says, I love you, Chase, because I need you to love me. God's love says, I love you, Chase. I love you because I love to love. 
I love you because I have your best interest at heart. If we're going to say that we love God and then God or Christ commands us to love each other as I've loved you, then we're going to have to love each other unconditionally. That means you've got to love Keith, warts and all. Christ says the number one identifier for being known as my disciple is what, church? For who? For one another. You know how they're going to know you out there, Christ says? Because they're going to see your love and they're going to identify you with me because the way you love. How do you know if you love God? Well, if you love God, you'll lay down your life. If you love God, you're going to lay down your life. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their life for his friend. You know, Alex, when I first started reading the Bible and, and at a young age, and I saw this, I thought this was about taking the bullet. You know? It was like, like here's, here's my mama, and somebody over there is with a gun, and they fire, and I step in the middle of it, and I take the hit. I'm laying down my life for her. Or the proverbial, here comes a cement truck and there's a little kid out there in the middle of the street. And just as the truck starts to come to him, David, I jump out there and I take my momentum and push it into the little girl's momentum. And she flies across the street and the truck hits me. But the more I get to know Christ, the more I know that he's saying it's laying down Keith's will. It's laying down Keith's want. It's picking up a cross. I'm going to die to myself on that cross. But I'm going to lay down my life. If you're, if you're in love with God, then you're going to lay down your life for him. You're going to pick up his cross, his ways, and his will. And don't tell me, church, that you love God and then you won't do it. People in this church are going to come to you and they're going to ask you to do stuff that's uncomfortable. Can I, can I beg of you, when they do that, Lay down what you like to do and do what needs to be done. We don't, we need, I'm trying, Lance, where are you, brother? I'm trying to make this a positive statement. Lance is always telling me, try to keep it positive. So I'm going to try to keep it positive here. We need people who are willing to teach. We need people who are willing to give. We need people who are willing to mentor. We need people who are willing to come and do the little ugly things, like wash the mold off the side of the building or pick somebody up on the other side of town and bring them to church 
or sit down with a, with a brother or sister who's having a hard time and just pray with them. And when someone comes to you and says that, think, am I going to lay down my will and my wants and pick up the cross and lay down my life for Christ or I'm going to make sure I'm comfortable all the time? Did I keep it positive, Lance? 50, 90%? How do you know if you love God? If you love God, you will keep his commandments. Here's another scripture that when I was a kid, I looked at this totally different. Is this a statement of manipulation or a statement of reality and truth? Because when I was a kid, I saw this as a statement of manipulation. Let me give you a for instance. I've been watching TV, and it's getting late. And Anna slowly, she's got her head on my chest, and she slowly starts to fade off in to sleep and I turn the TV off and her light is on on her side of the bed and she's all warm and comfortable and I said baby doll you need to roll over and turn your light off and she says this incredible statement of manipulation she says if you love me you'll turn the light off put the dog in shut the door and start the washing machine <laughs> now that's manipulation if you love me, you will do X. But this is not a statement of manipulation. This is a statement of truth and reality. If you love God, you will be taking care of all of his commandments. It'll just be a natural outcropping of your love for God. So if you say you love God to me, and you're not keeping his commandments, i got to call a timeout, sideline you, and tell you, no, probably not. Because this is a statement of reality and truth, that if you love God, you will be keeping his commandments. It's a good place for an amen. When you're in love with God, You'll be bringing him gifts. In your love relationship with your other significant other, do you bring them gifts? You ought to be in your relationship with God. And I'm not just talking about physical gifts, monetary gifts. I, I'm talking about real sacrificial gifts of your time and your energy. You'll love him more than anyone or anything else. You'll take those first two commandments very seriously about not having any idols before him. And those idols, they can take different shapes. Some people, they look like cars. Others, they look like houses. Others, to others, they look like placards across a desk that says CEO. And to some others, it looks like crack in a syringe. You'll love his presence so much, you'll deny your lust, your greed, and your pride. 
lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, starts going away the more you're in love with your father. You'll want to, as David says, taste and see the Lord is good. What in the world does that mean? Taste and see if the Lord is good. What David is trying to say, if you're really in love with God, then you're going to practice his precepts and his promises to see how wonderful it comes out. You'll find yourself hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You ever have a dog? There's two types of dogs. There's dogs on leashes kept inside all the time that really don't like their masters, and as soon as you open the door, they bolt. And then there are dogs who are adored and affection given to them, and they're like crazy in love, right? And they want to do whatever the master says. Jack, you know what I'm talking about, brother? You ever seen a dog that just just lived to do whatever you told it to do? I've had him. I've got one now. I come home, and he literally runs beside the car, and, and when he's really excited, he'll jump up in the air and spin around in the air while he's running 20 miles an hour beside the car. He is so excited. He just wants to please me. And I say, sit, and he goes, boom. <laughs> Folks, if we're in love with God... We'll be hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If you're in love with God, you'll find a reward in being humble. This is hard for some of us. I know particularly me. If you're in love with God, you'll put away that bitter, resentful heart, and you'll start being a peacemaker. Does that apply to you this morning? Do you need to put away a bitter, resentful heart and start being a peacemaker? Because peacemakers are called the sons of God. Let's pray, and the sermon will be yours. Dear Heavenly Lord, we love you, but we want to love you more. We're close to you, but we want to be closer. Lord, we want to have an intimate relationship with you that qualifies as love. Lord, I want everyone this morning in the midst to know, that can hear my voice, to know that you love them and want that relationship with them. That we're here for them, and if they need anything, as this song is sung, they can come forward or they can see an elder in the back. And we, we want to draw closer to you, and we want to love you more. In the Son's name, amen.